0: 100 years ago, an extraordinary man passed away in the Holy Land at the age of 77. He had spent more than half a century as a prisoner and an exile.
1: But on his release, and despite his advanced age, his health impaired by decades of imprisonment, he set off on a journey to spread a message of peace, unity, and hope to the world. His name was Abdul Baha.
2: I could see the radiance of this man who was to make such an impression on all our lives.
1: You see such
3: power latent within that person. I never in all my life heard a voice like that. It was vibrant and ringing.
1: I'm Rain Wilson.
0: And I'm Parisa Fitzenthali. And in this series of podcasts, we'll be finding out about this unique figure in human history, celebrating his life and legacy and the enduring influence he has had on people around the world ever since. When
2: he left the house, the sun disappeared,
4: but that kind of sunshine never leaves one's heart.
1: Through his public talks, his writings, his love and service to all who crossed his path, Abdu'l-Bahá offered a pattern of right living to all people
0: for all time. He was, in every sense of the word, an ambassador to humanity.
1: New York City, the year is 1912. Abdu'l-Bahá tells an American friend, If you come to me at dawn tomorrow, I will teach you to pray. At four the next morning, this guy, let's call him Mr. M, leaves his home and travels across the city to find Abdu'l-Bahá kneeling by the side of his bed, already lost in his own meditation. Mr. M kneels opposite, begins to pray silently for his friends, his family, and finally probably because he's run out of everyone else he can think of, for the kings of Europe. Abdu'l-Bahá stays perfectly still. Mr. M exhausts all the prayers he knows, says them again, and then tries to rub his aching knee without making a noise and wonders vaguely about the pain in his back. He becomes acutely aware of the birds, heralding the dawn outside the window. Two hours pass, by which time Mr. M's body is completely numb. He looks around the room and becomes bothered by the sight of a large crack in the wall. But Abdu'l-Bahá is still deeply absorbed in prayer. Witnessing such a state of ecstasy, Mr. M longingly wishes he could pray like that and feel that close to God. With that realization, his heart fills up with eager, joyous, and tumultuous prayer. Mr. M feels cleansed and at peace. Then Abdu'l-Bahá opens his eyes. He smiles at Mr. M. When you pray, he says, you must not think of your aching body, nor of the birds outside the window, nor of the cracks in the wall. When you wish to pray, you must first know that you are standing in the presence of the Almighty.
0: In previous podcasts, we've seen how Abdu'l-Bahá somehow seems able to understand the needs of everyone he meets and impart to them something that assists them to become better people. As is the case with Mr. M, Abdu'l-Bahá's aim is to help people by the force of his example to increase their spirituality, develop their most noble human qualities and realize their true selves, so that each of them can make their unique contribution to life and to the progress of the world. My identity
2: is primarily spiritual.
0: Canadian writer Anne Boyles.
2: How does my life, how do my actions, how do my thoughts flow from that recognition that I am a spiritual being and I am walking this path through life? So Abdu'l-Baha, I think, drew people back to that. He kept talking about those spiritual principles. And yet, there are all these countless stories of him doing very simple acts in order to reinforce the perception that this was not just a theory that he was expounding. You know, the fact that he gave his coat away, that he would never keep more than one coat, or that he had... A coat that was given to him, taken and made into 20 hats for other people to keep them warm. Or that he saw the men in the bowery. He not only spoke words of comfort to them, but he was able to give each person who was there a small token, a practical token that would assist them to get another meal. So both at the level of spiritual teaching, but then walking the talk, that to me is what he did.
5: Al-Bahá always wanted people to become more of themselves.
0: Historian Robert Stockman.
5: He always wanted people to fulfill their spiritual capacities, to develop themselves to their utmost spiritually. When he was meeting with Howard Colby Ives, who was a Unitarian minister, he told Ives become the best person that he could be.
6: Here I saw a man who, outwardly like myself, lived in the world of confusion yet inwardly, beyond the possibility of doubt, lived and worked in that higher and real world. All his concepts, all his motives, all his actions derived their springs from that world of light. And, which is to me a most inspiring and encouraging fact, he took it for granted that you and I, the ordinary run-of-the-mill humanity, could enter into and live and move in that world if we would.
5: He explored the spiritual qualities of a true human being. And the result at the end of that time was that Ives was incredibly impressed by Abu Baha and was, I think, mostly at that point convinced that because of Abu Baha, that this new revelation was the revolutionary force for changing humanity that he was looking for.
1: Abdu'l-Bahá's approach to the spiritual life, then, is not something abstract. As we have previously heard, he is seen to be walking a mystical path with practical feet. At the root of it is this instruction of Baha'u'llah's to every individual soul. O Son of Spirit, he writes, my first counsel is this. Possess a pure, kindly, and radiant heart, that thine may be a sovereignty, ancient, and imperishable, and everlasting. And when you look at Abdu'l-Bahá, you see this being manifested in
3: front of your face. Journalist Michael Day. Pure really means detached, in my understanding. Like, he wasn't grasping for any benefit for himself. He looked at things in a pure and a kindly way. You can be pure and then still be sort of rather harsh on individuals. He wasn't like that. People felt that he was being kind to them, that he was with them. And then radiance is something that comes from the inner being, and I think it came from the spirituality of Abu Baha. He was a radiant individual.
0: Purity, kindness, and radiance are all spiritual qualities. Forgiveness, patience, and generosity are some of the others. Abdu'l-Bahá's example shows us that we have the potential to develop all these qualities to a high degree. They are latent within us just as a tree and all of the fruit it can produce is latent when it's nothing but the smallest seed. But author Wendy Moman says the difference between us and a tree is that we have a choice. Every human being has a soul.
4: Every created thing has the ability to reflect some of the qualities of God. I'm sitting here with some plants, basil and tomatoes growing in my windowsill, and they have the ability to grow and develop, to provide fruit and to be beautiful at the same time and to be productive. But here's what they can't do. They cannot turn their head to God and say, I believe, I will follow. They have to turn their face to the sun. It's a metaphor for turning to God. That's how they're designed. We have the choice and we have the qualities that these have a beauty, growth, of provenance. We also have those qualities, but we don't use them well.
1: By promulgating the teachings of his father, Baha'u'llah, Abdu'l-Baha offers humanity the spiritual education it needs so that the qualities of the soul can be trained to turn to the light and then contribute that radiance to the betterment of the world. This spiritual orientation is the source of tremendous energy. In London, for example, after a whole day of meeting people, Abdu'l-Bahá's host, Lady Blomfield, noticed how tired he seemed and regretted the fact that he would have so many stairs to climb to her apartment. All of a sudden, to her amazement, on reaching the staircase, Abdu'l-Bahá bolted up the steps to the top without stopping for breath. With a bright smile, he turned to the rest of the party, slowly ascending the stairs and said, You are all very old. I am very young. Through the power of Baha'u'llah, all things can be done. I have just used that power. So, being spiritual doesn't mean being stuffy. Having a sense of humor is part of the spiritual life. Writer and artist, Anne Perry.
4: Many of the spiritual teachers were very serious and taught in a kind of ponderous way, but Abdu'l-Baha often taught with humor and he wanted people to be happy. He often asked, are you well? Are you happy? And he wanted to see this quality in people that we would forget ourselves. that we would become spiritually alive and aware and attuned and forget the earthly problems that beset us.
1: Abdu'l-Bahá demonstrates that if you want to enable people to bring their own perceptions, ideas, and talents to the task of building unity in society, then there's no place for argument. Conflict has become the norm everywhere. So many of our systems are built upon competition, winners and losers, for and against, right and wrong. Howard Colby Ives describes how Abdu'l-Bahá sought to reach the hearts and minds of those he encountered, avoiding any kind of argument or debate.
6: In all of my many opportunities of meeting, of listening to, and talking with Abdul Baha, I was impressed and constantly more deeply impressed with his method of teaching souls. That is the word. He did not attempt to reach the mind alone. He sought the soul, the reality of everyone he met. Oh, he could be logical. Even scientific in his presentation of an argument, as he demonstrated constantly in the many addresses I have heard him give, and the many more I have read. But it was not the logic of the schoolman. Not the science of the classroom. His lightest word. His slightest association with the soul was shot through with an illuminating radiance which lifted the hearer to a higher plane of consciousness. Our hearts burned within us when he spoke. And he never argued. Of course, nor did he press a point. He left one free. There was never an assumption of authority. Rather, he was ever the personification of humility. He taught as if offering a gift to a king. He never told me what I should do beyond suggesting that what I was doing was right, nor did he ever tell me what I should believe. He showed me by his voice, manner, bearing, smile, how I should be, knowing that out of the pure soil of being the good fruit of deeds and words would surely spring. There was a strange, awe-inspiring mingling of humility and majesty, relaxation and power in his slightest words or gesture which made me long to understand its source. What made him so different, so immeasurably superior to any other man I had ever met?
0: So, abdul approach is always geared towards respecting all people valuing their contribution, enlightening them, resolving differences and contradictions, and finding a consensus that can be agreed upon. Michael Day, again.
3: Whenever we're thinking about how we should address a particular problem, then we can sort of think back to the examples that we've read about how Abdu'l-Bahá would handle a difficult issue. He would listen, first of all, to what the person was saying. And as the person was saying something that he didn't agree with, it's not as if he would just suddenly stop him and say I don't agree with you he would actually say there's a certain logic along that and I can see that you know can you have a look at it this way looking at this from a different angle and see if you think this is true or false and then he would sort of proceed to say how he saw an event and so the person who was listening had the feeling that Abul Baha wasn't trying to beat him down and prove that Abul Baha was smarter than he was and he knew the answers and he didn't it was more that they were looking for the solution together
0: Scholar Stephen Phelps.
3: He would always find some way of saying, Yes, you're right. Now let's look at it from another
5: angle. There's examples of him never arguing, of people being very argumentative with him, and Abdu'l Baha just refusing to get drawn into dispute. And this happened in Egypt. He's really accosted by a journalist for a statement he made. He's looking out the window at the rain. To the journalist, Abdu'l Baha says something very annoying. You know, Abdu'l Baha says, Praise be God, he provides everything with means for its subsistence. Where there are trees, there falls rain. And the journalist says, well, where the rain falls, the trees grow. And Abdu'l-Baha answers thoughtfully, or that way. He's not gonna sort of make some theological point here. And the journalist presses going, look, which of these statements is true? Both are true, Abdu'l-Baha says in a calm tone. And after a short pause continues, we focus on the point where statements agree, not where they differ. Thus we find or see connections in statements despite their apparent disagreements.
1: These days, many people describe themselves as spiritual but not religious. And perhaps that's not surprising when the search for meaning remains strong in human nature. But many traditional religions have struggled to adapt themselves to be relevant to a world that is evolving beyond recognition through advances in knowledge, technology, and constantly changing values. In his writings, talks, and personal conversations, Abdu'l-Bahá affirms the authenticity of the messages brought by such luminaries as Abraham, Krishna, Zoroaster, Moses, Buddha, Christ, and Muhammad. Throughout history, their divinely inspired revelations have cultivated humanity's spiritual, intellectual, and moral capacities. These manifestations of God all share in a single purpose, to reveal truth educate souls and refine human character. With the coming of each manifestation, new forces are released that, over time, increasingly permeate human affairs, providing the main impulse for the further development of consciousness and society.
0: The teachings that the successive manifestations of God reveal contribute to new understandings at the deepest levels of belief. But belief must be accompanied by a sincere effort to translate that which is written into reality and action. Abdul baha tells us that no lasting transformation can be effected without unity and agreement, and the perfect means for engendering fellowship and union is true religion. It must unite all hearts and cause wars and disputes to vanish from the face of the earth give birth to spirituality, and bring life and light to each heart." The separations and conflicts between people, carried out in the name of religion, are contrary to its true nature and purpose. Amdoul says, If religion becomes a cause of dislike, hatred, and division, it were better to be without it, and to withdraw from such a religion would be a truly religious act. Any religion which is not a cause of love and unity is no religion.
1: True religion enables us to continually better ourselves and our society. With everyone he talks to, Abdu'l-Bahá brings this message that there is no real contradiction between religions or between true religion, science, and progress.
2: When he talked to scientists, for example, he was able to amaze them with his knowledge and insight and practical considerations about the area they were working in.
1: Leslie Teherzadeh O'Mara.
2: Just he was able to express spirituality in whatever way was needed, whether it was very practical, whether it was intellectual, whether it was spiritual discourse. It was all coherent with the revelation of Baha'u'llah and expressed in different ways at different times by Abdu'l-Bahá.
0: Those who seek out Abdu'l-Bahá are thirsting for knowledge and he answers their questions to the degree and in a language that they are able to receive it. This impulse to search for the truth, independently of the beliefs we inherit from our families, is the first step on what might be a lifelong quest for truth. Abdu'l-Bahá asks, What does it mean to investigate reality? It means that man must forget all hearsay and examine truth himself. For he does not know whether statements he hears are in accordance with reality or not. Wherever he finds truth or reality, he must hold to it, forsaking, discarding all else. For outside of reality, there is naught but superstition and imagination.
1: Author Bahia Nakjiavani says the whole future of society and its prosperity is dependent on a reorientation towards truth and the revealed word of God.
4: He was just giving realities. It's up to us whether we want to follow that way or not. It's a simple truth like gravity. In today's world, we have to reorient evaluate and reintegrate the importance of facts, truth, authentic texts versus multiple interpretations of anybody in order to maintain a society which functions, a democracy which functions, a kind of equality and justice which reaches all.
1: And at the heart of every interaction was Abdu'l-Bahá's genuine love for all he encountered.
5: In all of this, the only constant is we're created to love, to love ultimately each other, because in loving each other, we're drawing closer to that divine spark that lies within each of us. That's really what it's all about. It was never said more clearly than Jesus in the gospel, where he says God is love.
1: Abdul Baha says, In the world of existence, there is indeed no greater power than the power of love. When the heart of man is aglow with the flame of love, He is ready to sacrifice all, even his life.
0: I have mentioned several times the impression he always made upon me of an all-embracing love, remembered Howard Colby Ives. How rarely we receive such an impression from those around us, even from our nearest and dearest we all know. All our human love seems based upon self and even its highest expression is limited to one or to a very few. Not so was the love which radiated from Abdu'l-Bahá. Like the sun, it poured upon all alike, and like it also warmed and gave new life to all it touched. A French
4: journalist wrote, His divine power comes no doubt from knowing how to love people and to be loved by them. Anne Perry And I think we read this in a simplistic way and we don't fully understand it. But Abdu'l-Bahá helped people feel loved. He was there. He was like a father figure. He provided what people needed to hear, to understand, to realize. And this is profound. I think most of us don't know how to love in this way. So this is a high calling that we're called to follow this example, this ambassador to humanity.
0: Abdul Bahá's life is a life of sacrifice. Every moment of it lived in service to humanity. How that life came to its close and his enduring legacy for us today is explored in our next and final podcast.